Blog Talk Radio. everybody and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, and I am not joined tonight by my co-host, Jeff Ayers. He had something he had to do, so he will not be joining us tonight. But that's okay, because he is involved in the interview that we will be playing for you here tonight. Uh, on the, that we will be playing here for you tonight. And it's really a cool interview that we had, because not only are they authors, but you probably know these guys from shows like Smallville, uh, Spider-Man 2, I Am Number 4. We're talking about the creators of Smallville, Alfred Golf and Miles Millar. They also wrote a book called Double Exposure that we're going to be focusing on on our interview tonight. Don't worry, we get into some of the other fun stuff too. I want to remind you, of course, that all of our shows are available on demand. So if you can't listen live, you can still listen on demand. You can go to iTunes and subscribe just by hitting or typing in Suspense Radio, and you'll find it and come on up and then hit subscribe, and you can listen to us. We had some great stuff that uh, we've had in the past. We had Christine Feehan uh, just not, you know just two weeks ago. So you got a lot of things that you can be definitely getting involved in. There's always something for everybody. I want to remind you that all of our shows are brought to you by Kensington Books, so please make sure you visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information. And our latest magazine just dropped on the 31st of March. It's our spring edition, 2019. Some really cool stuff in there. If you didn't get a copy of it, it's on our website, suspensemagazine.com, and you can go look it up, click the review section, and you will find it sitting right there. Um, and, again, it's free. I mean, it's free. It's Click on and read it. Uh, it can't be much more easier than that. We post it on Facebook. It's been on Twitter. It's all over the place. So you have no reason to say, oh, I don't know what it looks like. Well, it's because you're not looking. Uh, and I want, want me to email it to you? Fine. Send me your email address. I'll put you in the list, and you'll get an email to you every time a new magazine comes out also. So without any further ado, I want to, again, jump right in. Uh, Alfred Golf and Miles Millar, and the book is called Double Exposure, and it is out now, so make sure you check it out, because it's a really cool story, a very historical, about, well, let me let, let, me let them tell you what it's about. Here we go. Okay, so welcome everybody. Jeff and I are very excited. Jeff, how you doing? Doing great. Uh, great interview we got coming up for everybody here. This is a, a team that you might not recognize in the author community, but you sure as hell recognize in the TV community um, because we are talking with authors Miles Miller and Alfred Golf, and they are prolific screenwriters, and they were part of, of course, many of the credits were the TV show Smallville. And their latest book that they have written together is called Double Exposure. It's out March 26th, so you're going to hear the show right around that time. So you can pre-order it and on Amazon or wherever you buy books, and it'll be out on March 26th. So we want to thank Al and Miles. Thank you guys so much for being with us tonight. Well, thank Thanks you. for having us. Uh, so, again, Double Exposure is the latest book coming out March 26th. This is your first book written together, 
Um, so tell us about the uh, creation and what you got going on for us. Well, Double Exposure is a Cold War globetrotting thriller, and the central character's name is David Toland, who's the first director of preservation for the Library of Congress's uh, National Film Archive. Uh, and then he, uh, he basically gets pulled into a, a canister of film, comes over the Berlin Wall. He is charged with sort of um, restoring it. Uh, because film at that time was nitrate, which meant it would decay rather quickly if not kept at a certain temperature. And when he does, he sort of, ex you know, exposes a, uh, a secret from uh, World War II, which then leads him and CIA agent Lana Wells on a globetrotting adventure uh, with many people after them as they try to solve it. Uh I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but uh, I did the book list review for the book. Uh, I'm going to quote from it here. Um, Although this is a first novel, it reads like the work of genre veterans, with them using the storytelling skills they acquired from screenwriting to good advantage. This old-school Cold War thriller makes the most of its film preservation frame and will appeal to the Lacar crowd as well as to movie lovers. So, um, and obviously, I like the book a lot, so... Well that was that was thank an amazing you. review, so thank you. Um, that was major. That. Now was, we know it was great. Now we know where to send our money. So this is <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you get the address <laughs> of the show. Um, but I was curious, why did you uh, decide on setting his job with the National Film Archive? We, you know, it's interesting. We this prod project. I mean, and this is going back a number of years. This is this is obviously a something that, that for us up until we, you know, sold it was frankly sort of a, a hobby. So, um, but what we were looking for was a character with a unique skill set that we could build. At first we thought we were going to write this as a movie, and then we realized it's period and it's globetrotting and nobody, you know, you could already see the passes. So, but what we... Because it's just too expensive. We, yeah, it was just too expensive. Yeah. It would be just too expensive to make. Um, but what we liked, you know, we there was... Um, a transcript, which I don't know if you guys saw, went around Hollywood probably about six, seven years ago. And it was Steven Spielberg, George Lucas, and Lawrence Kasdan's story notes for Indiana Jones. And it was just sort of fascinating to read how they created the character and the world and what they were doing. And, you know, what we sort of realized was, you know, we wanted somebody with a very specific, unique skill. And since Miles and I obviously are screenwriters and television writers and we met in film school at USC, we felt wouldn't it be great to have a guy who was, you know, involved in film and somehow. So that's how we came up with the sort of, you know, director of, of preservation for the National Film Archive and that his adventures would involve a film clue at the beginning. Just like Indiana Jones' adventures always start with some sort of archaeology crew clue right. and Robert Langdon obviously has like He's a symbiologist, which I'm guessing none of us knew before we read the Da Vinci Code what the hell that was. So, um, so, we, so we also <laughs> so it's so just kind of like, like a, a dusty, a dusty idea or job then spins into some you know in, insane adventure was sort of the, the the idea and genesis of the of the book and the character, and that's really how we started with the with the story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well. I found that when when I first, because I always like to read the back of books, <coughs> excuse me, and when I first read the back, I sit there and I'm like, oh, this is this is a hook right away because, like just said, you know, like like the film archive, and then all of a sudden you see 
this secret film that's coming, and it got over the Berlin Wall. And I love, you know, the the talk about, oh, did World War II just go underground? So that was a massive hook. And when you start getting into it, you you just start getting enthralled with the mystery and and the action and adventure. So when you when you start writing those scenes, how much difficult is it and different is it? when you're doing it in book form than when you're doing it in TV form where the actor can kind of do a lot of the acting out part of the character and you know how evil and bad they kind of are. But when you're in the books, you have to write everything so meticulous so people know. Well, what's interesting for us is we do, we're very big outliners. So when we do a, you know, whether it's a television pilot or a movie script, we do really detailed outlines. And so for this book, we did probably a 35, 40-page outline where we had everything. We had all of the, obviously, all of the twists and turns and what the story was going to be mapped out. And then we sort of, then we had the, the character arcs mapped out. Like, we, we literally wanted to be rock solid before we sat down because for us, you know, and especially, you know, when we do television, you know, we'll have, you know, episodes you know, we'll have a we'll have an eleven page outline for an episode of, of Smallville or Into the Badlands or something because we wanna know that when when we in that case either if we're writing it ourselves or we send a writer off to write it, that that everybody knows what they're gonna be getting. So I think for us it was and because this was our first book, we wanted to make sure we had all of that detail and you know, it, it just made it you know, when people say people always go to get writer's block and we're like, No, you know, you could call it story block, but the great thing about having two of us, and this is how we've always worked, is that we'll sit down at a diner or coffee shop or something, and we'll just sort of hash it out until we can figure it out, which is the great good fortune of working with a partner. And we've always worked together. You know, we met in film school like 25 years ago, and we've, and we've always worked together. So um, so I think for us it was it was a lot of fun to be able to really tell this story without thinking about how we're going to shoot it or what the budget's going to be or things like that. And then, you know, then the other great device you have as a novelist is you can basically, <laughs> you can talk, you can, there's a voice in their head that can explain things, <laughs> which you don't get in movies. But, um, exactly. but the other, but, but the other right. thing that we, that we always do, like in something in our films or, or something like Into the Badlands, we write out all the detail in the script. So all those fights mm-hmm. are written out. It's not, we don't just go and they fight and they go do right. the fight. Like we, you know, it's all kind of written. Well, that's, that, that, is, that is sort of, of course. the, the myth yeah. of, of, I think, people outside Hollywood don't really understand. They see an action scene and think, oh, the director's just dreamed up that. It's actually, no, it's all in the script. And that was sort of a revelation for us when we arrived in Hollywood, you know, in our 20s to go to film school. You read these amazing scripts. You read James Cameron's script for Terminator, and you realize that every single beat of action is written that the written word is king in Hollywood, really, and that the imagination of the writer is what inspires the director, and all those scenes, action sequences, car chases, anything, you know, a lightsaber battle will be scripted in incredible detail. Um, And so for us, it was sort of a natural progression to this, uh, and you just have the luxury of space. You know, a screenplay is very rigid in structure. You have 120 pages to tell your story, whereas a novel is, you know, expansive. You can tell it however long you want it to be. But the, also the discipline of screenwriting really helps, I think, in terms of a novelist because it makes you – it gives you that propulsion. There's no uh, – we didn't want this to have any, you know, 
uh, excess fat. We wanted to keep it lean and muscular, like a screenplay. So you have that propulsion and that narrative drive that keeps the reader excited. Well, I'm, I'm kind of curious why you decided to set the novel in the early 60s and also um, wondering uh, what kind of research you did for this. Well, we we wanted it to be – I mean, first of all, when, when we, as we were thinking of the story, there was just something – and without giving anything away, you, you'll realize why this, the story we told we needed to set it not in the present day. Um, well, yeah, also, yeah we, I know that. <laughs> yeah, and we, and we wanted it – but we also wanted to get away where – you know, you can solve clues with a laptop or a cell phone or GPS or something. Yeah. And I think there's a romance, and that's the other thing we wanted to capture too, because the, you know the book is, you know, it's a love letter to movies as well. Whether it's you know, Third Man or or you know, North by Northwest mm-hmm. or Fitzgerald yeah, and, and, and the Carré and so. Ian Fleming. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a big James Bond component too in terms of the sort of the the romantic luxury of of, of Globetrotting, which is very much the book. Um, so you have that, those ideas of film and, and those great iconic Hitchcockian movies as well, uh, I think are really infused through the, the narrative of the story. So, so we sort of, what we did is we, we sort of break the story and get it into the shape we want. And then, frankly, you can, you can I, I would say you fill in the research because you know what I mean? You just, we just sort of, you know, would look, and that's the, you know, I mean, that is the beauty of the internet. And and at the time, yeah. you know, we were also in an office, so we had some we had assistants who could look yeah. stuff up for us as well. But it was um it was uh but yeah, which is always great. But um you know, it's not like and and again, everybody's process is different. And we know you know screenwriters who do this, they'll go and like do a lot of research and then like figure out the story. And our thing is, let's we want to tell this story and we want to tell it in this way, and then let's just you know fill in what we need to. Fill in it needs to be too. plausible. I mean, I think some people yeah. are slavish to research, and for us, it's like the yeah. best research is your is your imagination. You know, yeah. we had no idea what it's like to be a an alien kid growing up in, you know, the middle of Kansas, but you can fill in the gaps and make it real. Um, right. And I think there's a, there's a danger now in terms of of society about only telling stories that you know um, from your own experience, which is just anathema to what to me creative writing is, which is to expand and and to use your imagination to create worlds that never, never existed. Um, so for us, it's just the idea of submerging into this sort of Cold War world is really compelling and interesting and just a, a challenge as writers to, to figure out how that would be and imagine it as, as it would feel and look and sound. So I think that's for us why we became writers. Well, I was going to say that the characters are so well drawn I, I could easily see them, and uh, I became emotionally invested in them. And I'm thinking that's partly because of the background you guys have. So I'm wondering, are you going to be doing a sequel with David, and uh, are you going to bring back Meg if you are doing a sequel? You know, well, we I think we hadn't really – go ahead, Mark. Well, I think for, we always speak to with each other. But, the, um, you, know, I, you know, we always intended this to be a sort of franchise character, but that's really up to – the success of the book and if readers respond to the character. But yeah, I mean, definitely there's a long tradition in, you know, crime fiction that they have these recurring characters who come back, you know, from Jack Reacher to James Bond, um, that people, there's a comfort food in reading novels with characters, you know, just like there was a TV, TV episode you see week to week, Clark Kent or whoever that, 
people like to know the characters they're about to read, and you have, there's a comfort in the familiarity of the story and the storytelling. So I think for us, we have you know outlines for two more books that in success we could we could launch into, all of which start with a film clue, um, and then sort of go into a, a crazy direction you don't expect. So I think for us, it's it's a, a great opportunity and something we'd love to do. Nice. I'd love to read it. Nice. Now, the one thing, and, and like you mentioned, that you had like a 40 or 50-page kind of outline, so you kind of knew the outline kind of how the book was going to go, but then you kind of had to put the characters in there. So what I love about uh, David is because I love characters that are torn. Like they don't have to do it, but then they're torn should they do it, instead of characters that are thrust into something and they really kind of have no choice but to do it. So when you decided to kind of write David and, and give him life, how much thought did you put into making sure that he was torn and, again, not just thrust into it and almost had to do it? Well, we, we like the – we actually did. And um, what we liked about David and what we wanted to do so he's not just thrown into it, because it feels like if he's just thrown into it, he becomes kind of a cipher to just go through the story. Right. And we, we like the idea that, you know, we always wanted him to be this film, you know, preservationist um, and love movies, but we also said, well, he needs some, frankly, skill set that you would believe in this world, so that's why we, you know, we made him Korean War vet, and he has very complicated, you know, views on his combat and what it meant and how he wanted to get away from that version of himself, and, and, and in, a, in a way, his job now is hiding from the world and seeing the world through pure fiction, and then, obviously, the thing that he loves is ultimately what pulls him back into this, and and as we were going through the story, you know, we wanted those moments where he was really conflicted because he's, he's in some ways has to, has to sort of wake the bear, so to speak, and call on aspects of himself that he had thought he'd buried and didn't. And, and the fact that he can bring that, those skills back up so quickly freaks him out a little bit. So it just, we, we like that idea that he was, that he was that kind of character because, because we wanted to make sure that Lana was very mysterious. You know what I mean? Right. She, she's, she's not clearly not telling us everything, but she's incredibly capable because we wanted, we, lo- we like the idea of, of having a strong female who has agency in these stories. Because frankly, as you know, a lot of them, they're pretty male-driven. You know what I mean? And they don't have this character. So we really wanted that. But then we also wanted to make sure that, that David, when push came to shove, could also be you know, he didn't become the ballet in his own story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. a, it was an interesting gotcha. kind of kind of um, push and pull to you know with, with David and with Lana because it's and and we really wanted to be in, in David's head, obviously, because we're not really in Lana's head that much at all. Because for that reason, we wanted to keep her. You know, that's the the fun of these mystery. things. Who's t- is the mystery and who's telling the truth and. Are they telling you the whole truth? And you know, so that that was um, that was fun. But I'm I'm glad it I'm glad that resonated for you. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I'm curious how um, you guys got the uh, how got the, a book a book published essentially because your background isn't in books. I'm curious what was the decision? You you talked a little bit about deciding to write the book. How did you actually get it published? Well, it was sort of an um, accidental process because yeah. we'd actually we'd launched into. Don't you just love accidents? Yes, we would actually been 
we always look to do different things. So if you look at our work, it's sort of we, we jump from genre to genre, from buddy cops to superheroes to martial arts. It's sort of all over the place. And so we were excited to do our first book adaptation, which turned out to be this YA book called I Am Number Four, which is over at DreamWorks. And James Fry was involved with this in terms of his publishing house. And we were talking to him one day, and he said, well, you guys ever have an idea for a book? You should come to me, you know, and see what we can do and sort of set it up. And it was really the first time we even thought about a book. And this, we'd been noodling this idea of this Cold War thriller, and but it just seemed so insane in terms of the, the chance of it ever getting made as a movie was so distant because of the expense. Um, but obviously, Hollywood is obsessed with IP and books and that if you have success in publishing, then it could become a movie. You could attract a, a, a star and it could become a real thing. So sure. it just felt like it could be a sort of a backdoor into a movie, but also a great opportunity and challenge for us as writers to actually attempt a book. So that's how it sort of began. And it was, as Al said, it was a very long process. It was it was uh, a sort of a hobby for many years. And then it became a reality. Um, you know, it was shopped around to various publishing houses and lo and behold someone really lo- really loved it so it really was a surprise and you know reading the re- review from, from booklets for example is just it's you always forget about that as a screenwriter that the reviews come at the end it's like oh my god yeah i forgot people are going to like either love <laughs> right. it or rip you apart and so it's, it's the same as a, as a movie it's like you just oh yeah that happens and so um having had such a marathon time to actually get it done and, and complete it and bring it bring it to everybody it's just great to have um people enjoy it and that's that's the thing that for us is the idea of the book is that it's a roller coaster enjoyable read just as a blockbuster movie would that you appreciate it in the same way you know we're not out to, to win the book of prize the pulitzer it's it's about you know a great read that you can't put down yeah yeah it's about entertaining me i want to be inter- i want to be fucking entertained i mean that's the whole Absolutely. idea and yeah. I and I want I that. Know, but I, I, that, that. I think that's lost with books. I think people like yeah. that art of actually entertaining people and like having a good beginning, middle, and end. That so the end is satisfying as the beginning. That it's sort of it's something that people don't think is important. And for us, it's like that's what we do day in and day out. And you have to in a movie or you attempt to have a, a great beginning, middle, and end. And same with TV. That you the idea is to entertain people. And I think that's something that sometimes publishing forgets. It's about, you know, prose style or whatever or pretension. It's like, no, this is about a damn good story, well told. Right. 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 So, of course I have to ask, because you're going to be on the show and people are going to be like, well, John, why the hell didn't you ask about Smallville? So I'm going to ask about it. So, But <laughs> the one thing that, you know, a lot of people don't you know don't understand and and this is and you hear this all the time people get and I'm going to use Lee Child as an example cuz people get all pissed at the author like how the hell could you let Tom Cruise be Jack Reacher and blah blah and it's like <laughs> dude I had nothing to do with that he's like my book is a movie why are you thinking that I had like all this thing to do so when people see the word you're the creator of Smallville what does what does that mean? So for the average, you know, average, average everyday person who sits down and watches the show over time and then they see you on the screen, how, how much are you indebted into the show each week as it goes on and the direction of kind of how it works? Well, it's interesting because we're the, we're the creators of Smallville and also the showrunners. And what that means is 
we we came up with the idea for the show. We, um, you know, pitched it to the studio, developed it with them, took it to the at the time the WB, sold it to them. Then we had to write the pilot. Then we had to, you know, basically go shoot the pilot. And as the, when you're a showrunner, a showrunner in television is like a director in a movie. The buck stops with you. So you have to make all the choices. So, you know, you're heavily involved in the casting, although you obviously have studio and networks that have the final say on who they want to cast. But um, so there's casting, production design, costume, like all of it. You're there every day for the shoot. And then once the show goes to series, you hire all the writers. You, you have to break the season, you know, break the episode, meaning you sit in a room and you go, okay, here are the stories we're going to tell. And you have to guide it. You know, you guide it, you break huh. it. I mean, frankly, in the first couple seasons, Miles and I wrote or rewrote every episode of that show, uh, you know, from top to bottom. Well, you did a good job so, in the first couple seasons. I'll tell you that. <laughs> thank you. So, so that Love almost killed us. Week. Almost, yeah, it almost killed week, us. Though. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just like, uh, you know, but that's what you, that's what you have to do. And that's really what a creator and showrunner does. So it's, it's it's your show, but television is a team sport, and it only works if you have great people around you, writers, you know, a crew, producers, actors, who are all pulling in the same direction. So I think I think the most interesting thing about um, learning to be a showrunner is it's not something that you could really teach. It's really kind of on the job training, and. It's also very interesting that you take writers who are, generally speaking, not the most social people in the Hollywood uh, ecosystem, and, you know, you, you go from two guys, as we used to say, two guys writing in a garage to basically running a $60 million startup, which is what every television show is. And so you've got to learn those skill sets. Luckily for us, there's two of us. There's things that we can we, – we know how to kind of divide the duties. And, frankly, as we've gone over the years, we'll – we've taken on more duty so we can, we can both kind of do, you know, all of it at this point, but it's nice to have two of us. And because basically most shows have, have two people. Like you look at lost. I mean, it was, it was Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. Like you, one person can't do it. You need a, you need, a, they need, I team. think they needed like two more people. Yeah. Oh yeah. And by the way, <laughs> and you do like we had, it was Miles and myself. And then we had a great producer director in, in Vancouver, a great, another uh, executive producer down in LA who would oversee posts so that we could come in and out of that process. So you put your team together and then you go and you make this show and you go on this, what you hope will be an incredibly long journey. We just came off of four years doing two shows. We did into the badlands, which was the first season was shot in new Orleans, but the, the other seasons we shot in Dublin. And then we did the Shinar Chronicles both. And that, that was shot in New Zealand both big world building shows, but there were two of us. So literally I, you know, Miles would be in Dublin and I could be in New Zealand and it was literally a 12 hour difference. It's like, it was Lady Hawk. You know what I mean? It's like when it's 7 a.m. for you at 7 p.m. for me. And then, you know, so it's, uh, it, it can be, uh, you know, it's, it, it's great when it's running. It's always, it's always kind of insane, but, um, you know, it, that that's what the that's what the job is, and we really enjoy doing. Because here's the thing, you know, and you know this as authors. The great thing about being an author is, it's all you. It's in the book. It's all you. Whatever they do with it, movie, television, show, you still have the book. 
and 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 right. you know Terry Brooks always said that about Shannara. He's like, guys, you do what yeah. you you need to do. I'll always have the book. So you got to change stuff, change stuff. So it was, you know, and I think with with the television show, the great thing for writers is that the buck does stop with you. So success or failure, it's on your back, which is fine. Like we'll yeah. always bet on ourselves as opposed to movies where you're kind of, you know, you come in and write it, but then the director really runs that show. So there's a certain point you got to sort of detach yourself from that process, knowing that, you know, it's going to be their vision. You can have some influence with certain directors. Other directors aren't interested. There might be other writers brought in. You know what I mean? You can't, Yeah. it's hard to, you don't want to get too, in a, you're in a guest. Party because you, yeah, yeah, you're a guest. You're, you're a guest at the party, yeah. really. So, yeah, um, so I think, that's the difference, really. And this no, is no, like the it. first show of its kind. I mean, because, yeah, you had Wonder Woman and Hulk and Flash, but those guys were already their characters. And in Smallville, he was not his character yet until kind of the very, until the very, very last, you know, two minutes. So yeah. the thing is, so, so who's the Spider-Man lover? I mean, who's Spider-Man? Who's the Superman lover? Who, who, who is it? Here, here's Both. what's interesting. Both of you? Because uh, I was like, why Superman? I guess. Well, here's, no, the, no, sorry. So, What's interesting is neither of us were huge comic book fans. We both loved the the Richard Donner film, Superman, Superman. Oh yeah, Superman too. oh yeah. You know, and and we had worked with with Dick on Lethal Weapon Four, and would ask him. This was before Smallville, and would always ask him Superman questions. But I think for us, you know, Warner came to us and said we have the right to do Superman on television, and are you guys interested? And we thought the idea of Superman in high school and who was Clark Kent yeah. was, was never, I mean, Bruce Wayne was always the cool guy and his parents were killed and he was the dark Knight. and Clark were like, well, who is this character before he was Superman? And so it was, it was very intriguing to us. We have a lot of, we, we thought it was a great idea for a television show because it's puberty with superpowers. It's about parenting. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had friends at the time who said, we thought that was the dumbest idea we'd ever heard because you have to remember the Marvel Universe hadn't started yet. The last iteration of Superman was Lois and Clark. The last iteration of Batman was Batman and Robin. So nobody was interested in no. in superhero. You know, they couldn't give it away. Superman. You know, it was like, yeah, it was they, like they, Warner Brothers right. was like, oh, yeah. please take it off our hands. They could. They, just, wow. yeah, they thought it was the cheesiest thing possible. It's amazing yeah. what's happened in terms of that that timeline the, from then to now. Because the beginning of that Richard Donner film and Superman, the very beginning of it, that's a great. That's like its own movie before he even goes to Metropolis. Oh. Oh my God! Standing, it's, it's, epic. It's, it's epic. It's three movies. It's like it's a space it opera. Then it's a John and that's Ford the great movie. part. You told that beginning yeah. story. You told that yeah. story, and that's the great part about it. Well, we had we had the and I'll I'll name drop now. So we had on I number four. It was it was DreamWorks. So we we had a, a conference call with Spielberg, who said he was talking about Smallville, and he goes, you know, my favorite part of the of the Dick Donner movie was that was that sequence in Smallville. He goes, it was clearly your favorite part, too, because you made a whole <laughs> television show about it. We're like, yeah. yes, exactly. So um, so that was really, you know, so for us it was just a great, it was it was just there was so much we were like, we can totally see this show, and we believe this show can work. And what Miles and I would tell ourselves was, look, even the bad Superman shows lasted four seasons. <laughs> Hell, they did make uh, Quest for Peace. I mean, so come on. Yeah, exactly. I I know. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) but uh, thank you for that that flashback. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
I have to say I love the Shannara Chronicles. Um, I'm a huge Terry Brooks fan. He lives here in Seattle. And yeah. I was hoping there'd be a season we'll three. Name well, no, and I was just going to say I'm just sorry. Because you, know, you did a big <laughs> show with him. You did a huge interview with him. That was great. Yeah. Um, well, I was sad because I didn't feel like the show had a chance to succeed. And then I right. just heard about uh, Into the Badlands being canceled, too, and I'm sorry about that. So um, I was curious, what's next in terms for you for television? And then also, I'm uh, any advice you could give for someone who writes books who would like to jump into TV? Oh. Well, well, I think for right, right, yeah, there's never been a better time to get jump into TV. I mean, there is exactly this is this is the golden age of television. There is so much Everybody's content. Doing there shows. is. It's literally insane. If you walk into the lobby yeah. of Netflix, it's like Grand Central Station. It is like nothing you've ever seen before. Um, so there is a, and also there is a an insatiable appetite for content that people will, you know, watch seasons of shows and days and want the next one. So it's a, it's a fantastic time to be in television, and particularly if you're a woman or or a, um, you know, the sense that times have changed is real and people are hiring like never before so that sense of uh particularly female writers it's a, it's, a, it's a great time there's been an evolution i think and that's that's amazing to see that happening um but for us it's like you know television is it there's there have been monumental changes tectonic plates have shifted and you know it's always an amount of luck as well in terms of any of these a movie or a TV show. So, Shannara definitely suffered from regime change and everything like that. And yeah, Into the Badlands had had a great run, and we are very proud of it. But the cable TV business is literally dying on the vine. So mm-hmm. we are actually, you know, so excited to be out, and we are have a bunch of of new shows in the works, which we can't talk about just yet. But mm-hmm. um, oh, don't worry, no one's listening. You can just tell us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, well, it's just it's just it's a really exciting time. Um, yeah, and yeah. just the there are a bunch of new players. There's Disney Plus who hasn't been launched yet. There's Apple TV hasn't been launched yet. So it's really in the next three or four years, the whole landscape is going to going to be completely different, and we'll see who survives and who wins. It's going to be it's going to be fascinating. So it's a great time to be in television and. On the movie side as well. Vote, I'm going to vote for Taco Bell. Taco Bell survived. Taco Bell That's win. what Demolition yeah. Man told us. <laughs> uh, that's, that's true. Demolition Man. That is great. That, that is, is great true. Reference. Taco Bell does survive. Yeah. That is absolutely. You know, true. they were they were filming that when we were when we were at our first year at film school, and we were still went yeah. down and they were they were blowing up that building, that huge explosion at the end of that movie. Um, <laughs> remember that? I'm sure downtown. Yes, was like, I do. You know, complete I do wasteland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, because I work, I mean, I work in Century City, and I work in one of the towers, and I always look at the CAA building, the big one with the yeah. cutout in the middle, and yeah. I'm like, how many times are they going to blow this shit up in a movie, because I'm getting real tired of having to come back to work knowing that my building is still here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like Fight Club. Exactly. It's, it's funny, because I'll, I'll take people down to my office, and they'll be like, oh, I know that building. I'm like, yes, that's Nakatomi Tower. That's Die Hard. Yes, can we please just move on? I mean, <laughs> like... Oh so, yeah, I it's know. funny. But hey, um, where's the best place for people to find out about about the book? Uh, where are you guys online? We are. Um, it's at uh, MillerGolfInc.com. Um, 
is our you better website. you better spell that you better spell that yes it's m i l l a r g o u g h i n k dot com good good call miles nice um they're so yeah. fancy yeah so your last exactly. name's inc dot com so there you go yeah exactly right yes and then um we're both on uh instagram it's uh, miles underscore miller m i l l a r and i'm Goff Alfred, don't ask me why. I when I signed up, I clearly did that. And then on Twitter, it's uh, at Miles Miller and at the real Al Goff. Nice. There's a fake Al Goff. Apparently, there's a fake. Holy Al Goff. Toledo! They're like, faking everything. Couldn't get, I, I couldn't actually use my name. <laughs> I mean, you should be able to get verified, and they should be able to, to, to use your name. That's, that's it's, ridiculous. It's crazy. I know. Well, guys, I'll tell you, I mean, we could stay on the phone for three hours. In fact, I'm like, you know what, they're in L.A. I want to see if they want to go to lunch because we could just talk for hours and hours. But, you know, congratulations on the book. Again, it is called Double Exposure, and it comes out on March 26th. So, guys, it has been an absolute pleasure to speak with you. Can't wait to see what books you guys got coming in the future and, you know, those TV shows you couldn't talk about. So thank you guys again for coming <laughs> on. Thank you. Thank it's great, you guys. Can't wait. All right. You guys have a go, and we'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Take care. All right, bye. Thanks, guys.